0: This message is part of the teaching provided by House on the Rock Fellowship, a church caring for the Miami Valley region. Before you listen, be sure to access the notes in the download section of the message page. Have a Bible ready. Thank you for being our guest. I was 17 years old when I moved to Texas to attend college. My parents had done a great job at preparing me. My school had done a great job of preparing me. I was very excited uh, to go to college, to start that new chapter of my life. Um, loved the classes. Uh, my mom and dad sent me with a giant steamer trunk of cereal so that I could eat breakfast, all different kinds of cereal, and um, loved the classes. And I loved being in college. and I loved that experience. But I still did miss home. Home is home. But there is something about the sky of Texas. It's a little different. I mean, I know it's still the sky, but there's, it's bigger. It just feels bigger. If you've ever been in Texas, the skies of Texas just feel a little bit bigger. And I remember on multiple occasions leaving the dining hall at night and walking home with the stars all above and the constellations and finding the North Star and saying to myself, home is that way. Home is that way. No matter what was going on, no matter how I might have felt, I knew that that way is home. Do you know how to do that? Do you know which way home is? Not reading a compass, not reading the stars. Spiritually, do you know which way home is? Do you know if you're headed in the right direction? I think that's important, don't you? We're, Adam said, (laughs) lighting the candle of peace today. Isn't it amazing how quickly we've gotten through this season? Seems like just yesterday, but it was five weeks ago, we began a journey towards Christmas, a beginning to begin to prepare to be ready. And my challenge to you, my challenge to myself was, can we participate in an Advent season that's both meaningful and memorable? We don't just want to get to Christmas morning or Christmas Eve and light the candle and eat the meal and then go on with our lives. Could we participate in a season that's a meaningful season? Can it touch us in a certain way? Can we do things that are of more value than other things? Do things that are meaningful. My challenge to you was, can we do it in a way that's also memorable? A way that changes us. That leaves us with memories and encounters with God and encounters with one another. So I introduced some habits to you. So maybe this Advent season, you could do things a little bit different. Maybe before you pick up your screen in the morning, you could pick up scripture first. What if you gave yourself over to reading scripture on a regular basis, uh, intentional passages that immerse you in the story that, that might change you? What if you lit a candle and gathered around it and just remembered and gave thanks? What if you slowed down in such a way that maybe three times a day you just could hit your knees and pray and give thanks to God or maybe have a moment of silence? Things that take the story and press it deep into our hearts and our souls. Could you do things in a different way so that it's both meaningful and memorable? A way that, that, that changes us. To help us, uh, an old pastor and a priest named Zechariah has been our guide in Luke chapter 1. We've been going through a message that he shared at the birth of his son, John, who we know as John the Baptist. We've learned about hope and we lit the candle for hope. That in the midst of darkness, there can be hope. There is hope. There is hope. There is a sunrise, despite the famine of my experience. There is a sunrise, and it is Jesus. With the candle of love, devotion, God's devotion to us. In the middle of the exile that we find ourselves in. The sin, and the consequences of our sin. God loves us. joy no matter what our Egypt might be our slavery or our bondage the consequences of the world being thrushed upon us there can still be joy there must be joy in fact that joy becomes a beacon of light and hope for others who find themselves in similar situations we lit that candle and then because Adam is Adam <laughs> today we light the candle of peace At the end of this passage We are promised that he will guide us into the way of peace. So what I would like to do is, as a a family, as a church family, would you stand with me? If you're watching online, would you stand too, just out of respect? I'm going to ask God's blessing upon this time, and then we're going to read this passage together. So you just find whatever center space you need to be. Maybe there's extra things that you need to say. As you come here this morning, like, I really didn't want to talk about that to God, but why don't you do that? And then we'll read this passage in Luke. Father God, we are thankful that we get to come before you and we do not forget your benefits. For you are the God who forgives our iniquities and heals our diseases. You're the one who redeems our life from the pit and sets us upon a steadfast rock of of righteousness and goodness. You crown us, Lord God, out of your goodness. And Father, we ask that in this gathering, in this time, as we open your word, the name of Jesus would be the highest thing on our priority. By the power of your spirit, make his name and his story shine ever so bright in the darkness that we might find ourselves in. Some of us come in here with great doubts and worries. Some of us are still asleep. Some of us are struggling to know why we're here. Some of us have lost the way. Make it clear this morning as we light the candle of peace. That you would open your word to our hearts and our minds. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing to you, God, who is my rock and my redeemer. And together, all God's people, we say. Amen. Let's read this passage together. This is from Luke chapter 1, 67 through 79. We've gone through it multiple times. And maybe as we go through it, you'll remember some of the things that we've talked about over the last four weeks. Let the Holy Spirit bring them to your attention as we read this together. Luke chapter 1, 67 through 79. Read with me. And his father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying... Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from of old, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us. And in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. Amen. Please be seated. Within this passage, Zechariah lays out a view of humanity, of us as a people where we're headed and where we're going, and it's not good. This pastor-priest of Israel seems to have an insight into where we are in reality. And as I started to go through the passage again freshly this last week to get together for our time, I began to see all these promises that God gives us, but the other side of that coin is there must be a reason for that promise if he's promising to do this, it must be because of that. And so I worked my way through the passage and I began to ask myself some questions. Where are we as a people, the human race? If we're to be visited, that means we need help. If we're to be redeemed, that means we need to be ransomed and set free. If we are being sent a warrior, a horn of salvation, well, that would mean that we're fighting an enemy. If we're being sent a king from David, that means that we need a better leader. To receive salvation, well, that would mean that we need saving. To send us prophets would mean that we, as a people, don't understand what's going on. To send mercy would mean that we don't deserve it. To make an oath, that would mean that God has made a commitment to us. To call for holiness and rightness would mean that we dwell in sinness and brokenness. To send us deliverance, well, that would mean that we can't save ourselves. And to give us knowledge would mean that we live in ignorance. To offer us forgiveness, that means that we need forgiven. To send us a sunrise would mean that we live in darkness. To give a guide, that would mean that we're lost. And to offer us peace, well, that would mean that we're at war. This wise pastor, Zechariah, this priest, seems to see us located in a certain place and it doesn't look good. In fact, as you reflect on this passage, he seems to have a really good understanding of where we are in the great story that we ourselves are caught up in. And I know I say this all the time, and I do it for a very specific, intentional, pastoral reason. Because the world would sell you one story, but you are living in something very specific. A story that starts with good creation, right? That's where the story starts, God made a habitat for creation, for this universe. And we dwell within it. And he made it good. Ecosystems in relation, one with another. Animals and plants in relationship, one with another. Human beings in the center of all of it, to be his image bearers. And all that he said, it's good, that's good, and that's good, and that's good. It it's, has purpose and beauty and balance. It's awesome. That's how the story starts. It starts with good. But quickly into that, there is treason. There's brokenness. There's deceit. There's death. As we work to push the creator away and to do it on our own means, which means humanity and all of creation cascades into corruption and disaster. When you push the source of life away, that leads to what? Death. Every time. But within that story are subtle, almost silent promises in the fury of our reality, where God says, I will fix this, I will fix this, I will fix this. Through the voices of prophets and and poets, through the voices of kings the voices of maidservants. All throughout your Old Testament, you see story upon story upon story. God says, I'm going to fix this. I'm going to fix this. I'm going to fix this. And some of those promises get very specific. Culminating in the arrival of the delivering king, when Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, is born and lives a delivering life, setting humanity free, dies upon a cross to set humanity free, rises again to set humanity free, and now invites us to be a part of restoration as we drive towards this glorious peace that is to come. That's the story. That's the story of us corporately, and that's the story of us individually. Do you know that? That's your story. God created you with good intention. There is a beautiful perfect vision God has of you. But sin and death have corrupted and destroyed and you have been a, you're a part of that corruption. And through Jesus Christ, we find restoration and deliverance as we move towards glorious peace. And Zechariah seems to be very mindful of the fact that this is the story. And he finds himself in the story before Jesus' arrival. If you look at chapters of the book, Good Creation and Promise and, and Deliverance, he finds himself before Jesus. He says, boy, it really feels like we are so close to the page turning and moving into a new chapter. And he celebrates. He celebrates. We find ourselves a couple chapters later on the other side of Jesus' life and his death and his resurrection as part of the restoration. And so we're looking forward to the time when Jesus comes back again. And so as we drive towards Christmas morning, and before we set this passage aside, I want us to find three. A remaining stars, if you will. A constellation of ideas. In the same way, reading the sky can help you get home. I think these stars will help you get home. If we keep these three stars kind of as a point of reference, we'll be okay. And these are things you might just want to set off on the side. Or maybe you like to draw pictures. If you like to draw pictures, then draw three stars okay, somewhere on, on your page. Label one of them this, label one of those stars, way to peace, the way to peace. And we'll talk about it because it says in Luke chapter 179, to give light to those who sit in darkness in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. Let's understand what that means this morning. But at the, second star, at the second star, let's talk about what this delivering king is. This delivering king. Because in Luke chapter 169, he says this, that God has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. So there, there, There's this thing called the way of peace, but there's this, also this other star that I need to be mindful of. That is this, this king from David's line, this delivering king. And I need to be able to see both of those. But there's a third one, and let's just call that the process. Let's just call that the process. So scatter those across your page if you want. Draw a big old triangle. Let's just make sure we know where all three of those are. Because there seems to be this thing in verse 79 where we go from sitting in darkness to walking in peace. And that would be a process. Because it's one thing to be sitting in the dark. It's another thing to be walking the path of peace. So let's talk a little bit about that this morning. All right, let's open some of these up. Way of peace, what does that mean? If you look at that passage in verse 79, the, to guide us into the way of peace, that word way is a road that has a specific destination in mind. Okay, that's what that word means. It's not just any road. It's not just any path. It's not just sauntering through a field. It's this road leads to a specific place. Example, my sister lives up in Toledo, okay? I can leave my sister's house to get on I-75 south, and that will take me to Cincinnati, right? Okay, that is the road, that specific road will take me to that specific place. In this context, he's saying, there is a specific path that takes us to peace. In the Bible, to hear the word peace does not mean the absence of war, okay? I can walk into many a people's home, maybe it's a home in this church, and there might not be war, but that doesn't mean that there's peace, Peace means wholeness, completeness, Eden, before the fall, the way humanity was supposed to be. It means rest. It means God-intended restoration. That's peace. So what verse 79 is telling me that, that there is a path, a specific path, like there's a specific story, and at the end of that path, there is this thing called biblical peace, where things are the way that they're supposed to be. Well, I think we can make some observations then. If we just start to think about that and reflect on that, that would mean that the destination and the road to that destination are not the same thing. Okay? I can get, I can leave my sister's house in Toledo and get on I-75 South. That does not mean that I'm in Cincinnati. Right? I'm on the road to... That does not mean I am in the place of. That's going to be really important for some of you who are struggling with why your life is so jacked up right now. Okay? And some of you would say, my life is jacked up right now. Being on the road to peace and in the place of peace are not the same thing. They're not the same thing. But the closer I get, the more signs I will see. The closer I get, the more signs I will see. Sure, if I'm up in Toledo, I might only see one sign every now and then that says 100 so miles to Cincinnati. But the closer I get to Cincinnati, oh look, there's the Cincinnati outlet malls. Oh look, there's Cincinnati Children's. Oh look, there's the actual skyline. Oh look, there's the city limits. The closer I go and the longer I journey down that specific path, that specific road, the more signs I will see that lead me to know the direction that I'm going in. The way of peace runs against the way of the world. The way of peace runs against the way of the world. Praise be to God. Thank you, Department of Transportation. If I want to go south, I don't have to wrestle with the people who are going north, unless they're just someone who's really, really grumpy that day. But I got my side and they've got their side. If they want to go that direction, they have specific lanes that they can drive in and there's a nice big divider in between them. They can stay on that side and they can go their way. I can stay on my side and I can go my way. That's nice, right? It only works in I-75. In the spiritual life, there's one road and we're not all going in the same direction. So while I might be in pursuit of Jesus, in pursuit of peace, in pursuit of restoration, I am going against a very large horde of people in the opposite direction. That means the way of peace is in truth, a war zone. It's really a war zone. There's not that many of us moving the right way. Okay, is that star a little fixed now in our consciousness? We understand a little bit what that passage means. Okay. Being on the way of peace and being in peace are not the same thing. But I'll see more signs the the longer I'm on that path. 100%, 100%. But not everyone is moving in that direction. So that would make that road a war zone. Okay, so let's talk about this other star, this other part of the constellation, this delivering king aspect that comes up in verse 69. And we haven't really talked about it until today as we've walked through this passage. In Luke 1, 69, this is one of the promises that God gives. And Zechariah anchors on, he says, God has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant, David. All right, what does that mean? has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant, David. Okay, the wise men, the magi, think back to the Christmas story. They see this constellation of stars coming together. They firmly believed that the heavens communicated through these astral uh, configurations. And so they see Jupiter coming this way and they see Venus coming this way and they see them meeting together within this constellation that symbolized Israel. And they said, oh, oh. There's a thing that's happening, and it's a big thing. There's a new king in Israel. They read the stars, and so they make the journey. They search the passages. They come to Herod. Where is the one who's been born king of the Jews? They know this is a promise, they know this is a reality that there's to be a someone. Because for a story to move forward, it requires a hero. Stories don't just arbitrarily, good stories don't just arbitrarily float from chaos to order. In fact, nothing does without a hero. Nothing goes from chaos to order. They come to Herod, show us the king. Our story to move forward and Zechariah lands on it is a promise that God made to David was that David, through you, I will have a king, God says, to sit upon the throne for eternity. My king, my rule, my reign, my order. The good king. God's king who does the fighting. That word horn, that horn of strength, that's talking about uh, uh, the struggle and the war and the strength of an animal. Here is a symbol of one who will lead the way forward, who's promised and he is good. So I take these two stars together. All right, there is a way that leads to peace and there is one who will lead me to peace. There is a way that leads to peace. There is one who will lead us to peace. And Zechariah, in this passage, celebrates both. Take those two ideas, let's just put them together. So let me ask you, can you read the signs of your own life then? If it's true that there's a path and it leads to peace, and the closer I get to peace, the more signs I will see. Are you moving in the right direction? Are you moving in the right direction? I'm not saying that you live in peace and you dwell in peace, and everything is unicorns and everything's rainbow kittens. But as you are journeying, you see God putting the pieces together more and more. That does not mean that you do not feel the force of everything coming against you. For the majority of people are moving the opposite way. And you will feel those tensions in relationships, at work, and finances. You will see it. But do you know that there's a peace? And do you knew the one who leads you there? Which direction are you headed? Which direction are you headed? Have you had that encountering moment? as you peel towards your own destruction by which you collide with the holy delivering king and he says hey let's turn this thing around like the wise men who come before Mary and says we have seen his star and we've come to worship him him Matt Mayer, who's a singer, songwriter, uh, composes songs, and we sing some of them here. We sing some of them here. He wrote a song for the opening of the third season of The Chosen. Some of you have gone to the theaters and seen it. It's a great show. It's a great theatrical presentation uh, of the life of Jesus. It's not scripture, okay? Don't send me emails. I know that, okay? How many of you watched The Grinch this year? That's not scripture either. It's a great show. And the song that Matt wrote plays off some of the opening scenes of that show, where Mary Magdalene, who's living a life of demonic oppression and sin and prostitution, and she is a victim of her culture, alcoholic, drowning her miseries, lives one way. In fact, everyone in the town knows who and what she is. And she has a holy collision with Jesus upon that road, upon that path. And he turns her life around. And some people ask her, what happened? All I know is I was one way. And now I'm another. And in between was him. The lyrics of the song go like this. Maybe they help us this morning. From death to life. From darkness to shine, from fear to a peace I can't explain. From doubts to a hope. Holding on and letting go of all the empty promises of shame. This is my song. I was one way, but now I'm different. There was a a clear change in a holy collision in who I was, in who I'll forever be. And he was the in-between. We call that repentance. We call that repentance. The change from a life that's driven towards falling apart in its pieces to following a good king that leads to peace. In your notes, let's write it down this way. Let's, Let's fill something in. Only King Jesus leads to peace. Other paths leave us in pieces. Only King Jesus leads to peace. Other paths leave us in pieces. There's this exclusive aspect to reality that you must learn to respect. That there is one road, and at the end of one end of it is peace, at the end of the other end is destruction. Well, I think there's multiple roads. Well, you're wrong. I think there's multiple ways to peace. No, there's not. Jesus says, it's my king, and it's my rule, and it's my reign, and it's my kingdom. That I am the truth and the way and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. I have come that they would have peace and life and have it in abundance. That means to go in the opposite direction is to guarantee myself sin and disappointment and suffering and pain and destruction and corruption beyond all possible recognition. Where hearts grow harder where as you journey down it, the conscience becomes seared and numb and where the longer you drive, the more your life just falls apart. But you're so numb to sin now. You can't even feel it. In Pennsylvania, they have inspections for vehicles on an annual basis did you know that in Pennsylvania if you live in Pennsylvania to drive in Pennsylvania once a year right PA you know it that's right once a year you take your car into the mechanic and he tells you what's wrong with it and what you have to have fixed so you can get that car back online seriously oh yeah oh yeah it can be fun well, this headlight's out and that's off and that needs fixed and that needs changed. So we want you to pay us $5,000 to drive the vehicle that you own in the city that you live in. And it's, yeah, I'm not bitter. <laughs> but it does mean that vehicles in Pennsylvania do kind of present themselves in a certain way that's different in Ohio. Can I say that? Because we were very much confused. And I remember the very first time I pulled off the interstate onto the Troy, uh, and uh, this car is coming at, and there is no front end of this car. <laughs> it's just not there. Like, there's, a, there's the reader, there's the engine, there's the wheel. I'm mean, like, what is wrong here? <laughs> like, you can drive a car, and as long, I mean, You can be using duct tape and zip ties and you're good to go. It can be falling apart around you and no one will say anything. I think we can get frustrated because we're following a king And that king is the prince of peace. And we're still in chaos. That we feel because we're following heaven, we're not living in hell anymore. There's a process. There's a process. On one end is destruction and corruption. On the other end is peace. This passage talks about that process that I think can be very encouraging. He says in 79, those who sit in darkness. He will guide our feet into the way of peace. So we have sitting in darkness to walking, to going. There's a process there. So if we could just talk about maybe that third star a little bit and what it means to follow King Jesus. And let me give you just some things to fill in. Because I know there's a way of peace. I know there's one who leads me into peace. What's that process? How do I go from sitting in darkness to following, to walking, to guiding? I believe that following King Jesus requires, and here's a blank to fill in, self-perseverance. Self-perseverance, not preservation. Self-perseverance. You need to persevere. I must follow. I must move forward in my faith. I need to take ownership for my faith and take ownership for my life. Not preservation, doing whatever's easy and and doing what's comfortable. How many of you know that healing can be painful? How many of you know that sin can feel good? Okay. You see that dichotomy? Maybe that means something that you could do on this journey that will be helpful for you is to begin practicing Sabbath. We're talking about peace. Sabbath is the embodiment of peace. It's the practice. It's the dry run. It's the weekly habit that points to an eternal reality. It's a way that we look at the world and say, no, we're not showing up. As everyone else is flying by us us in their chaos, in their hot mess machines. We're saying, we're not hopping on that hamster wheel. We're not getting in that rat race. This story is moving in this direction and we're going to go that way to practice sabbaths to put our foot down in the middle of the interstate and say no. No. Are you going to feel the resistance and the tension as the world pushes against you? Absolutely. Are you going to be tempted to chase after almighty dollar? Are you going to be tempted to go after their rhythm and their rate? Mhm. Oh, 100%. I mean, Christians will even model a bad habit for you as they try to keep up with the world. But what if you, in your pursuit of peace and walking your way, as an act of self-perseverance, respected that rhythm and that story, and you said, you know what, once a week, world, I'm not showing up. I'm not showing up. I'm going to turn it off. I'm going to turn it off. I'm going to sit with the family. I'm going to go for a walk. I'm going to read scripture. I'm going to pray. I'm going to go to worship with my brothers and sisters. That's what we do. We're going to be reminded of the story. We're going to walk in that story. World, we're not showing up. Chase after your chaos. We're not going. Gathering here is an act of defiance against the world. Maybe practicing Sabbath could help you in that act of perseverance. Perseverance a way of reminding yourself, this is the path I'm on. Maybe the daily habit of confession needs to um, re-enter your rhythm. Maybe you find yourself like some of the cars out there saying, man, things are a little out of the line. Things aren't the way that the mechanic really intended them to be. Things are a little wobbly. Things have gotten a little loosey-goosey in the back end. God, I think I got off the path. In fact, Father, today I know I got off the path. I said things I shouldn't have. I intended and did things I shouldn't have. Most merciful God, I confess I've sinned against you in thought and word and deed. On a daily, regular basis. Living a life of repentance and confession. Reminding ourselves and letting the spirit reshape us and form us into the image of Jesus Christ. And letting that catapult us into our actions the following day. Hey, Father, by your grace may I walk your path that leads to peace and be an agent of peace. Thank you for sharing your time with us and we'd love for the journey to continue. If you're a guest, would you consider reaching out to us? We would love to come alongside and encourage you in any way that we can. If you're someone who's joined us today and you are desperately reaching to find hope wherever you can, again, Jesus came that we would find hope You can find hope today. If you want to send us a short note, a member of our hope team would reach out quickly, promptly, to come alongside and see what we can do to encourage you in whatever storm you might find yourself in. That's why Jesus came. That's why we're here. Jesus said there's two ways to live your life. A wise man, a wise woman, builds their life on Jesus' instrument.